Oftentimes it's better to start with creativity to help you learn the facts. Life is too short to learn a, a list of a thousand rando words. From the campus of Stanford University, this is Schools In with your hosts, Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. Welcome to Schools In. I'm Denise Pope, Senior Lecturer for Graduate School of Education here at Stanford. And I'm with my co-host, Dan Schwartz, who's the Dean of the Graduate School of Education. And because this is happening during COVID-19, we are actually not in the studio today. We are doing the radio show via Zoom. And uh, we are seeing each other through little screens. Dr. Denise, NBC famous Pope. <laughs> I don't know how famous I am. But yeah, so I've been doing a lot with NBC. These days. Yes. And, and so today we're going to talk to Dr. Pope about uh, an important survey that she's completed about uh, experiences in COVID and school for children. But before we do that, Denise, uh, I have a new analogy for where we are in the pandemic. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so when I lived in Alaska, one summer, I decided to go sea kayaking. And you go out for like 14 days. It's a, it, you're out there. It's really remote. Wait, I don't understand. You can fit all of that food and everything you need for 14 days in one little kayak? It's not so little. I mean, oh. you, can, you can hold a couple hundred pounds in this thing. Wow. And, and so the guy, you have to rent all the equipment. You know, it's, I, it's not like I have that size of a kayak. And the guy, as he's pushing me out, you know, and I'm about to paddle away for 14 days, the last thing he says to me is, when you see the shore, don't think you're close. <gasps> oh. so, do you get it? I so get this, it, but that's sort of sad because I see the shore. I, I no, no, you'll head. you'll you'll start to get tired. You'll get frustrated. You're like, I should be done now. My shoulders are worn out. That's sort of what's going on right now. Everybody that, sees the shore, and they're and they're beginning to. It's beginning to be, feel even worse. I think that's before. an excellent analogy. I had one of a good friend of mine today said, "I was doing okay with COVID. I was like." I found a groove. I found a way to cope. And now it all hit me and I am freaking out. It's been a year and nobody thought we would be here a year later. I mean, I was even thinking back to our early podcasts in COVID and we said things that I would absolutely take back, right? Like we said, you know, missing like a month of school, it's, it's going to be okay. Like the, in the grand scheme We'll be back. It will be okay. And then we were like, even if they go till summer, we'll be back in the fall. And boy, were we wrong. We, we should have listened to the scientists. We know what the Well, they were, saying, they were saying 18 months. Yeah. Ugh. 18 months to get a vaccine. Ugh. So are you, you know, we see the shore. How did you, how are you present, preventing yourself from looking at it? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I sort of have to remind myself that I actually like what I do as opposed to, sort of sitting there going, oh my God, it's another day of doing the exact same thing. I have to remind myself, no, I, I actually like what I'm doing. And that works pretty well until about 2.30 or 3, <laughs> at which point I fall apart. It's like, I can't do another one, another meeting like this. But Yeah. I, the lack of physical, and everyone's asking me, are you on campus? Are you back on campus? Are you? No. We, you know, we sit in our rooms and we talk to people on TVs and I know that our computers and I know that many, many people are doing this as other people who live in other places are 
just taking off their masks and eating. So, so Denise, we are yeah. a breath of fresh air because we're only a podcast. Nobody's <laughs> actually looking at us. No, so that's, we're just, true. that's we're, true. We're a breath of fresh air in people's lives. People can be walking and listening so, to us. They can be cooking dinner and listening to us. We free people because we are a podcast. <laughs> okay, let, let, let us turn. So you did uh, a challenge success, uh, has always done very good work surveying the field, so to speak, about the experiences of students, parents, and so forth. So you did something really big. So would you just talk about the scale of this? And then I'm going to ask you, how could you have pulled that off? Sure, sure. So for for folks who don't know what Challenge Success is, it's an organization that's affiliated with the Stanford Graduate School of Education. And our goal is to work with schools and families to increase student well-being and engagement with learning. And that's been our goal for years, right? We've been around for, you know, since 2003. But when the pandemic hit, we realized well-being and engagement with learning are really, really even probably even more important, right? And particularly physical and mental well-being and safety and health, right? That's, that's what every school was focused on. Sure. And a lot of people wanted to know where what's going to happen? How different is the experience of kids going to be during the pandemic? And we were in a position where we've been collecting data. So, so the, the data for this particular survey, we have had from fall 2018 to March 2020, we had data from 86 high schools, 75,000 students. So we had this great comparison group, right? And then, yeah. Wait, how do you get all these people to, how do you get 75,000 people to respond to a survey? We, like Nielsen, Nielsen <laughs> just sent me something and they put a dollar in it. You know, I oh got the God, Nielsen survey really? with a dollar. Yeah. So it sort of makes me feel like, gee, I owe filling out the survey for them. Like how, <laughs> so how did we, you get 75,000 people in the middle of COVID? We don't pay, we don't pay people. So this was pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, yeah. we had 75,000 students during COVID. So that was 86 high schools during COVID. 12 high schools, 11,000 kids. 11,000 kids is a lot. And the way we got it was NBC offered us a really sweet deal. And they said, we will pay the schools to take the survey. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll pay what it would normally cost. Normally schools pay us to take the survey. NBC said, we'll pick up the bill. The journalists do this? So, Apparently it's a thing. I was a little confused myself, but this particular producer said that often they will pair up with university researchers when it's a topic that they really want to do sort of an exclusive on, and they can see a lot of upside for them and for the researchers. And when I went to the challenge success folks and said, you know, I just got this proposal, it allowed us an opportunity because we've been wanting to survey kids during the pandemic, but a lot of schools were not didn't have the money to do that or even the bandwidth to do that because they were working on, you know, everything that you have to work on as a school with the pandemic. And we said, we'll take care of everything. And NBC is going to give you some, you know, some money. And I want some of that. It was great. I want some of that. It was great. Um, And what happened ultimately, uh, and I should say too, they didn't pay the school the money. They, they paid for the survey. Right. So no, so no, no principal was bribed in, in the taking of the survey, um, but it was also schools that we would normally not have. So it was it was more schools that had a higher percentage of under-resourced kids that we could use as part of our comparison. So part of those um, 
high schools in the fall, the 12 high schools in the fall, about half of them had a really high percentage of under-resourced kids on free and reduced lunch. So that was also a nice comparison. Oh, so you have that. You you want to tell the punchline? Well, so the punchline is kids are stressed. And during the pandemic, there is a feeling on the part of kids that they are more stressed, even more stressed than they were before the pandemic, that they have more work, that they are less engaged in school and that their relationships with teachers and with kids are strained. And I I don't think that's a surprise if you think about the reality of the pandemic, but we have hard data that actually shows. Yeah. But that, that wasn't, that wasn't the punchline I was fishing. Oh, that wasn't the punchline. No. The punchline that you wanted. The the punchline was uh, under-resourced kids at under-resourced schools are more stressed. So, so actually what this is actually very interesting. Now we have to be careful here because we don't have data on an individual student's socioeconomic status. Okay. So we can do school comparisons and the school comparisons, the schools that have more under-resourced kids, we did find some differences, but not as much as you would think. We, we, we really, the the main difference that we found with the under-resourced schools is that they felt less connected to an adult that they could go to with a problem. That could be because of size, right? So we haven't really, because we don't ask about socioeconomic status at the individual level, um, we, it was more about where there are going to be major differences across schools. And I see. Work. so this is schools in, and Denise is going to finish what I just said. <laughs> You're listening to Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope. And, um, yeah, we're talking with me. I'm the guest today. It's a, it's, it's the challenge success NBC survey. And we got a lot of data and a lot of findings. Okay. So I, I happen to have seen the report on the results. Uh, so I, I would have liked you to test me. But one thing that was surprising to me is that uh, you had uh, changes in student stress. And uh, did it increase, stay the same or decrease? And we had uh, meeting my parents' guardians' expectation, pressure to do well in school, stress related to school, and worries about college. So which of these do, do our fair listeners think increase the most? Where, where did the stress show up the most? So it turned out that it was stress about college. So Denise, what, I mean, are, are these third graders? Who, who is this no, stressed about all, college? These are all high schoolers. So here, it's important that you know the actual question. The actual question is compared to the time before the coronavirus impacted your community, to what extent have your experiences in the following areas changed, right? So they were always worried about college before, but now it has increased even more so than some of the other areas. And that's because they couldn't take the SAT or the ACT, many of them. They knew that finances were changing in their home lives. And so were they gonna be able to afford going to college? They were worried about their grades. Remember in March, 2020, schools stopped giving like actual grades, a lot of them, and started to just say credit or no credit or pass fail or, or, or we will do no harm, right? So now students are saying there's no SAT, there's no ACT. I, they don't really have grades from the second half of my junior year or my 10th grade year. What are colleges going to base this on? And can I afford it? And 
all these other kids deferred. They know that. Are there fewer spots this year because of the pandemic? So yeah, college is a big source Crimes of money. You're stressing me out. You're stressing me out, and I'm not even applying to college. (laughs) I mean, here's the but here's the good news. What the flip side of that is because of that, many colleges have gone test optional and say said, including Stanford, and said that you do not have to turn in an SAT or an ACT, and we will still look at you um, as a full-fledged applicant. And some colleges are going to keep that for years. Beyond so, the pandemic. So just so you know, that would have stressed me because I was like a C student, but I was really good at the SAT. Yeah. I just so got that, wiped right. out. I for just some got wiped kids, out. some kids that's a positive, and for some kids, it's like that test would have really yeah, done yeah, a lot yeah. for me. Yeah. So so, so I'm looking at uh, major sources of stress and uh, grades, tests, quiz, finals, or other assessments is about 69% of kids felt that. Uh Second is overall workload and homework at 61%. Procrastination, time management at 49%. Lack of sleep at 44.5%. So lack of sleep is number four on the sources of stress. Yeah. You would think it's a pandemic. You should just be sleeping all the time because nothing's well, going on. We, you know, so we actually, this was a surprise to us because we had heard in the beginning that they didn't have to commute to school. And a lot of schools were starting a little bit later anyway, okay? So, and a lot of kids didn't have to get up because a lot of schools were, you know, maybe not every day were coming online. It wasn't asynchronous or synchronous or, you know, they were sending home packets. So I thought that the sleep numbers would get better. And in reality, they're not that different from before the pandemic, but there was this large percentage, um, about 5% of kids, which is about 500 kids in our study, that said that they were getting less than four hours of sleep a night. You, you need eight to 10 as a healthy adolescent, less than four. So, you're not supposed to be functioning. Don't, don't they, didn't they do these studies with puppies where they deny them sleep and they like, they die. Well, mean, how, yes, how do you, get, how do you yes. get four hours of sleep? Is, so, is it, are they credible reporters? Do you believe? Let me, so you're listening to schools in and, and Denise and Dan are chit chatting about the uh, NBC challenge success study and um, that we conducted looking at differences in how kids are experiencing life during the pandemic versus before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, kids were not getting a lot of sleep either. Um, They were, it was appallingly low. But now during the pandemic, we think because they are um, stressed, a lot of them are anxious and worried about finances, dad lost his job, um, worried about college, as we already talked about, Maybe they are spending more time on social media, right? Maybe um, parents don't have a lot of time to enforce bedtime because they're stressed and working and juggling. A lot of parents are like, when their kids go to bed, that's when they're getting their work done. So there could be a lot of reasons why sleep is disrupted during the pandemic. So I have, I have two, two, two ideas for you. Uh, one, this can be hard to explain, but one is, uh, because I don't change locations between work and home, mm. work sort of never stops. Yeah. And so that, and it runs too late. So it keeps me up. The other is the uh, shortage of physical activity. Yes. 
Well, Dan, A plus, because that is absolutely what we found as well. That I got an A plus. When you do, I got an A plus. It's all about the grades, right? When you when you are more physically active, and we don't realize, even going to work, you're walking from your car, you're walking in between buildings, right? You're you're maybe you're stopping at the grocery store, walking around the grocery store. All of that has basically, you know, been curtailed. You sleep better when you get at least an hour of exercise throughout the day. And we know that about adolescents. Um, and they will say, so here's the other interesting thing. The numbers, when we ask them to report the homework and we talk to the teachers about reporting homework, the homework load hasn't really changed since pre-pandemic, but because you're doing it all at home, because school and homework are kind of blurred, it seems like you have more homework, you're less motivated. And in some cases, um, particularly kids who are fully remote, um, not even doing hybrid, there is more homework because teachers are sending it home because they're not seeing them in person. So they're yeah, just yeah. sending home stuff all the time. So, so could I solve this by walking my son in a closet and say, that's school. You do, when you're in there, you're doing school. And when you come out, you're getting homework. So um, I don't know if you read the Harry Potter books, but you you really shouldn't lock someone in a closet. This is this is not a good thing. Um, and he, I, I would not recommend that. No, I have uh, other recommendations for parents, but that is not yeah. one of them. If only I had spoken to you 30 years ago. <laughs> so, so it is stunning in, in your survey. It's uh 43% say they're sleeping less. Uh, that's yeah. a lot. And that's it's, a lot. It's a, it's a bit of a, it is a surprise. Yeah. That was a surprise to us. And also just how worried they are about mental health. So mental health was always a source of stress. It was kind of about a quarter of the sample would say that, but during the pandemic, that jumped to a third. A third of the sample says that's a major source of stress for them is their own mental health. And we hear all these reports from the CDC and from American Academy of um, Pediatricians. Uh, the mental health of these isolated teens is really deteriorating. Do, do you ask it directly? How's your mental health? Or do you ask uh, are you biting your nails a lot? I mean, how do you get at it? Good, good question. We have a couple different ways of asking it, right? So one way is the stress and worry questions that we have. What are you worried about? What are you stressed about? But we also ask about a physical reaction. So in the past month, have you had any of the phys these physical reactions due to stress? Headaches, exhaustion, difficulty falling asleep, um, stomach aches, right? But they're all due to stress. It's self-report. And that, I will tell you, for, for females, super high. Like, you know, uh, 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 well above uh, three, three quarters. I mean, they're all feeling multiple signs of physical signs of stress. So I want to I come back to that. But this is School's In, and Denise will finish my sentence. We'll end with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope, and we are going to be back after the break discussing more of the groundbreaking findings of NBC. <laughs> this is Schools In. I'm not an expert at this. Okay. I'm more expert than you. When you can't read in American society, you are really left out. With Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope from the campus of Stanford University. Welcome back to Schools In with Dan Schwartz, who actually doesn't know the rest of this, despite having heard it a thousand times. Uh, so, Denise, we'll finish this. It's Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope, and we are talking with Denise today about the NBC Challenge Success Study, um, particularly about the mental health of high schoolers. So th this is how what you do when you think you can see the shore and you think you're done. You get silly. It, it yeah. saves you. So be before we 
move to disparate impacts, particularly along uh, male and female. So some, 4% of the students say they do seven hours of homework a day. That, that doesn't strike me as credible. That, that, that works out to a 15-hour day. Uh, yeah. so, so, so they're confused. They, they think their schoolwork is homework. It's, it's blurred. We make it as clear as we can in the study. Obviously, before remote learning, we didn't have to clarify that. But right. yes, I will say this, though. There are definitely kids who will school ends at 3.30. They will maybe have a snack, maybe have dinner, and they will be working full time on their homework until they go to bed. So it is rare, but there are kids who do that much homework. When you're taking five or six advanced placement classes at a time, and you've got that kind of workload happening, it's rare, but it does occur, Dan. Before we left, uh, took a break, you were saying that the girls were experiencing greater levels of uh, relative stress compared to before than boys. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and the students of color, so black and Latinx students as compared to white students. So, you know, that we saw that before the pandemic, um, but these experiences of stress are not equal across gender or across ethnicity. Any theory? Yeah, I do have some theories, particularly with um, students of color. Many of them had to take on extra jobs during the pandemic Many of them had to drop out of school for a short bit right in the in the spring to help with finances or to take care of siblings. A lot of the work that's being done at home tends to be female, traditionally female work like chores or cooking, making sure your younger siblings are getting on Zoom because mom has to go out to work or dad has to go out to work or you live in a single family household. So um, yes, and I think girls in general people who identify as female in general, um, internalize stress and feel like they need to do better. They need to be perfect. They need to keep their grades up. The, the amount of kids who, who have said to us that they feel they need to have just as good grades during a pandemic as before a pandemic, like you're in a pandemic, like give yourself a break. Oh, this, this was a really big issue at Stanford. Would, would we still grade students, particularly say in the spring when everything yeah. was breaking loose? And uh, the students really wanted us to move to pass-fail. Yeah. And yeah. I, a lot of the schools moved right back, as Stanford did. A lot of the, of the high schools moved back to regular grading, even though the kids are still dealing with grandma in the hospital. You know, I'm worried about finances. I've, am I going to school? Am I seeing my friends? Right. And I think that's the other thing. But the isolation is, is really something that we have to, to try to deal with. So, so there is some good news from the study, which is, I think people are much more aware of these problems. I think the, um, many of the students said that their teachers are reaching out and are trying their best. There was still a large percentage that was like, you know, I wish my teacher would check in on me more or ask me how I'm doing. There's a, a percentage of kids who think that their teachers have no idea what's going on in their lives out, outside of school. And, I, and that's always been true. But I think more teachers recognize the importance of checking in and of mental health and how it's connected to academics and how it's part of their job now. So I, I, I have a theory uh, that may or may not be relevant, but uh, so when I think about teachers uh, to a large extent, the day-to-day pleasures of teaching have been removed, right? The, the interaction, the feedback, the getting to know the kids really well, the kind of goofy things that happen that, that, and all that's left is mission. 
right? And you're, you're teaching to serve the mission. And that keeps you going, but it's really exhausting. So I'm wondering if that's going on with the kids as well. So for, for example, you have one statistic that shows that uh, the strength of relationship with teachers has dropped. Uh, 50% of the kids say it's decreased. So that's one of the little pleasures of going to school, you know, as well as your peers. And when those disappear, you're only focusing on the mission, which in this case is to get educated or get into college. And that, that is really stressful to just be doing things by mission. Well, it's not only stressful, what we know about being connected to a teacher is it's actually critical for students' mental health. So if you have an adult who you feel you can go to with a problem, that's one of the most common things that's asked on um, surveys that look at suicide ideation and student mental health. So if you feel like your relationships with that, those teachers are worse, I mean, what, one of my nephews said, you know, I've never met this teacher in person. I don't think this teacher even knows my name. I've only seen them over a screen and they don't ask individual questions. You know, he doesn't feel connected to that person at all. So, so this, this is, is Denise Pope. Oh, wait, I got it wrong. Go ahead. Finish the yeah. sentence, Denise. <laughs> this is Denise Pope and Dan Schwartz. And we are talking about the MBC Challenge Success Study today. I feel so, like we've been doing a lot of gloom and doom. Should we, should we? Give people so, some positives in this last So, Denise, part besides saying maybe people will now finally listen because they're all experiencing it, mm-hmm. what, what are some positives that, that come out of this or possibilities for action? Well, you know, one thing that's interesting is for some kids, this is really working. It's not a huge percentage, but there's a group who are saying, hey, I can actually have a job and go to school because of this asynchronous nature. I can fit things into my life. I can um, I don't have to worry about who I'm going to sit with at the lunch table. I don't feel bullied for some kids with um, health issues. This has been great because they've had to miss large chunks of school anyway. And they and now there's the uh, opportunity to do remote learning. So that's one sort of positive. I think, I think something else is um, th- that the schools are using this data to understand that it wasn't all that great beforehand, right? So kids were getting A's, kids were getting into college, kids seem to be doing okay. You have your same number of kids who are failing and the same number of kids doing well. Now they realize, oh, it wasn't even all that good for the kids who looked like on paper, it was going well. They were just struggling with all this stress. Now, when we show this comparison and say, look, it, it, it's not that different <laughs> from what was happening before the pandemic in terms of the lack of sleep, the loads of homework, the worry about assessments, et cetera. So we've seen schools really make changes in assessments. We've seen, you know, you used to get three tests a day in high school maybe three tests a week in some, right? But quizzes, tests all the time, that's really changed in remote learning because people are worried about cheating and they're worried about how adequately that will assess kids' learning. So they've had to be creative. Part of why teachers are so exhausted is because they've had to really change some of the things that they do on a daily basis. So so do you think it sticks? I hope it sticks. I'm a glasses half full kind of person. I think what absolutely will stick is social-emotional learning. They know how important mental health is. They know that how important belonging is. More of those programs will continue to grow and blossom and be used in schools. And teachers won't fight us and say, I can't give up 10 minutes to check in with my kids. They will see, oh, if you give 10 minutes, you're going to get it back in spades. Thank you, Denise. 
Uh, you're a great interviewee, along with being a great interviewer. And so I want to thank everyone for being here and thank all of you for listening to Schools In with Denise Pope finishing the rest of this. If you've missed any of this episode, listen anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app and anywhere you listen to podcasts. From the campus of Stanford University, this has been Schools In with Dan Schwartz and Denise Pope on SiriusXM Business Radio. If you missed any of it, listen on demand, online or with the SiriusXM app. 